Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio in Gwinnett, it's time for Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by Computer Design and Integration. Good morning and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Nicole Toptosh, along with my co-host, Dominic Rainey. Dom, it's always good to be in the studio with you. How are you doing this morning? Hey, Nicole, I'm doing great. You know, it's pretty chilly across the country, and Atlanta's facing its first cool day, so yeah. I threw on the sweater just to make everyone feel relaxed. <laughs> Even our audience should feel relaxed today. <laughs> well, you look pretty dapper. It's great having a full house. It sure is, and a nice audience as well. Let's get the show started since we have an all-star lineup this morning. On the show today, we have Fontaine Huey, who is the president at the Center for the Visually Impaired. Also on our panel today, the founder, excuse me, of Biscardi Creative Media, we have Walter Biscardi. And with Golden Key International Honor Society, we have their executive director, Brad Rainey. Thank you all for joining us this morning. And Fontaine, why don't you get us started this morning and tell us about what you do. Well, thank you, Nicole. The Center for the Visually Impaired is Georgia's largest comprehensive, fully accredited private organization offering educational and training opportunities for Georgia citizens with vi low vision or visual impairment from infancy all the way up through the senior years. We have programs to help, to help people deal with their own visual impairment, but also we support the families. If you have a child who you discover does not have normal eyesight, it's wonderful to have some place to go. We have programs that work one-on-one -on -one with the children as well as their parents to help them maximize what vision they may have mm -hmm. and to help them get as much out of life as they possibly can in spite of having low vision. We have programs for um, school-age students from kindergarten all the way up through the end of high school. That's an after-school program. The wonderful thing about our, school, our program for school children is that we want the children to be in the mainstream. Those kids go to regular schools with regular kids because they're going to have a regular life. But we have additional programs for them after school so that because they have different learning needs, mm -hmm. they will have the opportunity again to maximize what they are getting out of their school experience. Finally, for the adults, we offer programs for adults who suddenly find that they are either losing their vision or through disease or accident have lost mm -hmm. their vision very quickly. And they are trying to figure out a way, how do I go on? How do I continue to have the same life that I had before knowing that I can no longer see as well as I did before. So vocational rehabilitation, helping people figure out accommodations. Mm -hmm. I'm an accountant. I still want to be an accountant. I just can't read the spreadsheets as well or read them at all anymore. How can I adapt? We can not only help the person with the visual impairment adapt, we can help their employer understand what the accommodations are that the employer needs to make. Complementing those services specifically for the individuals, we have a visibility store. There's a tremendous amount of technology out there that helps people with visual impairment. Mm -hmm. But it's helpful to be able to go into a store, try the equipment, make a decision on what technology is going to work for you. So we have that at our Midtown location on West Peachtree. Mm -hmm. And finally, we have a brand new mm -hmm. business enterprise. Two years ago, we opened a contact center, a full center, full service contact center. This came out of a strategic planning process 
2000, in 2005 to 2010, the goal of our contact center is to offer employment opportunities to people with visual impairment. 70% of the people who have visual impairment are unemployed. Some of that is because employers don't understand how to make accommodations. Some of it is about having to completely change your life if you suddenly lose your vision. So in addition to offering the services, we saw an extension of our mission being creating employment opportunities specifically for those people who had come through our program. Right, so right. we're very so that's the business side of what we do at the Center for the Visually Impaired. Okay. And what are the other services that are offered by uh, ClearAnswer? ClearAnswer can do any type of contact work that a commercial business or a nonprofit organization would want. We can do anything from customer service calls, switchboard duties, product support, help desk processing, survey calls for a healthcare provider who wants to do appointment reminders but doesn't have anyone in their office to make those reminder calls, because you know people come to the doctor's office if they get the reminder call, we can do those kinds of things as well. We have the capability of doing calls, actually phone work, text, chat, email. So it's a full-service contact center. And what other type of companies do you guys uh, provide services for? We in have done to healthcare. Certainly, we have done work with commercial companies as well as nonprofit organizations. Um, for example, Nobis Works. They have a program by which people can donate their old cars, their cars they are no longer using, mm -hmm. donate them to charity. We field all of those calls for Nobis Works because they did not have the capacity to have someone on staff to do that. For the Atlanta Botanical Garden. Our contact center, which by the way is known as Clear Answer, that's the name of the contact center, we did membership phone calls for them, calling the members of the Atlanta Botanical Garden, thanking them for their membership, making sure, have you been to the garden recently? Did you know that this activity was coming up? From the garden's perspective, they want their members to be reminded of all the great stuff going on. So we were able to make those thank you calls for them. We also work, right now we are working with ZEP and doing some product follow-up calls for them. Mm -hmm. We've done a number of surveys. We've actually done work for our own organization, doing customer satisfaction surveys. How did you feel about the services you got? Do you have any suggestions? And so we run the gamut on the types of calls we can make. Right. I think that's awesome, Fontaine, that you guys are able to, you know, create these opportunities and jobs for people who are visually impaired because everybody has to work. That's right. Everybody has to work. Our mantra is we want to turn tax users into taxpayers. That's right. Isn't that it? It feels good to be a taxpayer because yes. it means you have a job. You have a reason to get up every morning. Exactly. That feels good. It's very rewarding. Now, what differentiates ClearAnswer from other call centers? There are two things that differentiate us. First and foremost is our customer service training. We have a very, very rigorous training program for the callers that we have working at ClearAnswer. So we know that they are the best trained in the city of Atlanta. We are Atlanta-based. The call center is at our West Peachtree location. So these are citizens right here in the city of Atlanta that are working and paying taxes here. The second is, obviously, all of our customer service representatives are visually impaired. Turnover in the call center industry, on average across the country, there's like an 18% retention rate very, very low. Turns out working in a call center is really hard work. 
we have had 100% retention of our call center wow. employees for the last that. two years. That is awesome. Great Our metrics. callers are motivated. They want a job. They want to keep a job. They have been through difficult things, and they are building a life for themselves. Wow. The Center for the Visually Impaired's Impaired's mission is to empower people with vision loss to live with dignity and independence. And that carries through all of our programs, but it certainly carries into our contact center. That's awesome, Fontaine. You've been listening to Fontaine Huey with the Center for the Visually Impaired. Fontaine, you, you, you mentioned that Clear Answer offers uh, careers for the visually impaired. Um, so, when people go through your program and are involved, is it easier for them to get uh, full-time employment? Yes and no. To move into the corporate world? So They're to equipped to get full-time employment. But honestly, Dom, there is still a stigma out there in the corporate world. Think about how many people you see in the corporate world who have a disability of any kind. The corporate world is still really struggling to understand what an accommodation is. What we know is that it's not that difficult to accommodate someone with visual impairment. Someone with visual impairment can do 90 to 95% of the jobs that are out there. Obviously, they're not going to be a truck driver or a taxi driver. But most of the other jobs you could think of, someone with visual impairment can do with a little bit of help from technology with a little bit of additional training to make sure they can orient themselves and feel comfortable and mobile moving around the, um, the workplace. And that's one of the things that employers haven't quite figured out yet. So that's also a facet of the service we provide. We want to, we will go into the workplace and talk to an employer and say, your employee was in a car accident, they've lost a significant portion of their vision, they can still do the job they did before, here is all you, the employer, would have to do to make them fully functional again in their current position. And we will do that with employers. Hmm. So Clear Answers, uh, uh, you, uh, you said it, it operates as a business enterprise, uh, but it's not for profit. So how do you get your funding? Well, it's, we are a nonprofit organization, but our Clear Answer Business Prize is a for-profit venture. Our goal is to be truly profitable in that contact center so that we can invest those profits right back into the center in order to provide more services for visually impaired Georgians. Our funding right now comes from two sources, charitable contributions from individuals who believe in what we are doing, as well as private foundations who support our mission. But we also do operate under some state contracts through the Georgia Vocational Rehabilitation Agency. What we all know is public funding, state funding, federal funding, is always a little up and down. And so we would like to generate revenue through the Clear Answer Contact Center so that we can grow the surface services and even out some of those peaks and valleys that might come with funding from the state and federal government. Fontaine, what what are your greatest challenges these days? Funding. Funding. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's the truth in the nonprofit world. There are always more people to be served than we could possibly serve. And so the constant challenge is how do we find funding? Not everyone can afford to pay 100%. Mm -hmm. 
of what these services cost. As you can imagine, with our infants and very young children, it is all one-on-one -on -one up to the age four. One-on-one. -on -one. There are some classes, but you can see that that is not an inexpensive proposition. So not everyone can afford to pay for that. That is a wonderful thing that a nonprofit organization can do by pooling the resources of others who do want to fund that work. And what are, what are the what does the future have in store? What does it look like? What's your vision for the future for oh, the organization? Well, our vision for the future is for the Clear Answer Contact Center to become truly profitable. We have workstations for 16 callers. We could run three shifts a day, so we would like to get that contact center up to that full capacity over time. And at, when that funding is able to support our other programs, we will be able to expand our programs for infants, for school children, as well as for adults. How did you get involved with the organization? That's a great question. Um, I've actually just been attending their fundraisers and making modest contributions to the organization um, for about the last 10 years. Um, through a friendship, I was invited to come to a fundraiser, had a great time, met some interesting people. And then when um, my, my predecessor, the president of CVI, retired um, earlier this year, I knew enough about the organization to know that this was an organization that really touched my heart and that was someplace I wanted to work to make a difference in our community. We're listening to Fontaine Huey. She's the president of Center for the Visually Impaired. Fontaine, tell our listeners how they can reach out to you and your organization to help out. For more information on our Clear Answer Contact Center, you can call 855-257-2679 and speak with Jim Carruthers, who is our vice president for Clear Answer. But you're also welcome to contact me, and my direct line <laughs> is 404 602 4821, because I would love to tell any of our listeners more about the Center for the Visually Impaired and Clear Answer. Thank yes, you, Fontaine. Yes, we need funding. Thank you. For a great cause. Thank you so much, Fontaine. Next in our broadcast is Walter Biscardi. Walter, welcome. Thank you. Give us some background about Biscardi Creative Media and what do you do there? Uh, well, Biscardi Creative Media is a full-service film and video production company. Um, a lot of people know us for Good Eats with Alton Brown on the Food Network. Mm -hmm. uh, we did that show for five seasons, um, did all the post-production and the animations and the graphics, and uh, actually worked directly with the Food Network to help develop their new high-definition workflow, because that was right at the time that television was going from standard def to high def. And um, the company is in Buford, Georgia. Uh, of all places. People are like, wow, Buford, Georgia. Why are you in Buford, Georgia? Well, because I like it up there. It's mm -hmm. pretty up there. I'm right up by Lake Lanier. And the wonderful thing about our industry is that we don't have to be in any particular location anymore. Um, our largest client is actually in Colorado. We have a client in, uh, in Switzerland. Wow. We have clients on the West Coast. So with the digital media of today, I mean, all of our work is actually done through internet. We do uh, all of our client reviews are via website. Uh, we do phone-ins on uh, on. Uh, voiceovers and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and so basically we're, uh, we're a full-service uh, company servicing both the television and film industry as well as corporate. We do a lot of training. We do a lot of marketing. Um, pretty much you name it, we can do it from the very small to the very large. Um, we just completed our second feature documentary for PBS. Uh, this one was called Dark Forest Black Fly. It was all about uh, President Carter's fight against uh, river blindness disease down in Africa. And uh, crew spent about six years shooting it. We spent about four years editing it. 
uh, Mia Farrow was the uh, narrator for this particular one. And it was a follow-up to uh, Foul Water, Fiery Serpent, which we did a few years ago. Again, another four- to six-year project uh, all about fighting guinea worm disease down in Africa with, uh, with President Carter again. And this one we had Sigourney Weaver as the host for it. And that was actually really exciting. And it was mm-hmm. just really cool to hear that voice coming out of one of our projects. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> First time we, uh, we got her voiceover back and the whole crew came running in going, oh, my God, oh, my God, is that her? Is that her? distinctive voice. Yeah. yeah, that was right at the time Avatar was coming out. And uh, it was brilliant. Our, our documentary actually came out two weeks before Avatar, so it's almost like we planned it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, that's, that's Biscardi Creative. We're, we're a small company. Uh, we're six full-time employees. Um, but we have a, a brand-new 6,000-square-foot facility up in Buford that includes five edit suites. We actually have a beautiful screening room with a 7-foot screen, 5.1 surround sound mixing up there. And, uh, and we have full, uh, we have a dog. We have Molly the Wonder Dog who runs around every day. We're on two acres up there by the lake. And, uh, and we like to have fun. I mean, you know, one of, one of the things that, that I pride ourselves on is that we're storytellers first. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the big things that we bring, especially to the corporate client, you know, a lot of businesses listening in, um, we try to make it easy on the corporate side. We don't come in and talk about technology and this, that, and the other. Our job is to figure out what's your story, what's your message, what are you trying to get out. And then we'll figure out the best way to do it. We're not going to confuse you with uh, 4K and HD and this format and that format. And here's all the cameras we're going to bring in. Who cares? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't understand that anyway. So why should I confuse you? Mm-hmm. I just want to find out what's your story, what's your message, what do we have to do? And more importantly, how is this going to be shown to the, uh, to the audience? You know, who is your audience? How are you going to show it? Because a lot of times how you show it back has more impact than what we do. You know, for instance, if you're in a, uh, a big uh, ballroom with 5,000 people, the sound actually matters a lot more than the video because the sound is what's going to hit you in a big room like that. So I can do all I want on the pretty visual, but it's that bass hitting you in the chest or the big strings that well up that will actually make more impact uh, versus if I'm just showing it on the Internet, then I want to make sure that the visuals are really big. Right, makes sense. So, so yeah, so that, that's pretty much what we do is we're full service. So we've been around since 2001. Okay. Started in the bedroom of my house. Uh, then I expanded Banned on the back of the house for a few years, uh, and then in uh, 2011, we opened up the new shop up in Buford. So we've been a Gwinnett County company since we opened. Uh, very proud to be in Gwinnett, and um, proud that uh, our credits actually include, I think we're up to 13 Emmys, and uh, multiple Telly Awards, two Peabody Awards. Wow. I don't know, a lot of awards. Right. So. And that we're having fun awesome. doing it. That's, that's the whole thing. It's nothing like doing what you love and no, having fun. you got to do what you love. I mean, I actually get to go to work and, and, uh, and have fun every day. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about how it's chilly today. We actually have hot, hot apple cider on at the office that I can't wait to get back to. Let's so. head up there. Yeah, you should. You should. <laughs> yeah, We've got coffee, espresso, hot chocolate, cider, the whole nine yards, and a dog. Yeah, I can't forget the dog. (laughs) Molly the Wonder Dog. Walter, talk to me about the overall film industry and how that's evolved. Well, the film industry is interesting, especially here in uh, Georgia. Now, my my, uh, primary uh, focus is actually video and and television and episodics. Um, But the film industry here in Georgia is actually very interesting. It's a great model of how a tax incentive totally changed everything. Um, Tax incentives... Generally, if you look at historically in business, you'll see that typically they're actually bad for the state or the town or whatever that, that try. You know, they say, oh, we'll do an incentive, we'll bring a company in and it's all the stuff, and they don't really get the return out of it. But in terms of the film industry, it has been huge. It has uh, actually brought thousands upon thousands of jobs. The Georgia Production Partnership actually has documentation. And I think we're shooting upwards of 100 projects a year mm-hmm. between television and film right here in Georgia. 
Um, and that's great. I mean, we just had Adam Sandler up at Lake Lanier for six months and uh, with Drew Barrymore shooting a film up there and they were all over the place. And, and it's great because when a film comes in, that's about 300, 400 jobs uh, for a project, anywhere from three to six months. I mean, The Hunger Games is now shooting the last two parts of, uh, of The Hunger Games uh, process. I think that's almost a nine-month process. Um, uh, and and it, it's great for those jobs. Now, on the post-production side, which is my primary focus, we do editing, graphics, and, and all of that, um, a lot of that work actually doesn't stay in Georgia. So that, that's one of the things. I, I have a, a nonprofit that I started with a couple of guys two years ago called the Atlanta Cutters Post-Production User Group. And it's one of the things that we're now talking to Georgia Production Partnership about what can we do to change the incentives that that post-production can actually stay here now. So, yeah, it's great. We're shooting all the films, and they do the work here, but then when it's time to finish the film, they go back to L.A., Mm -hmm. and they finish the project in L.A. So what can we do to keep that part of the process here? Like New York uh, State just enacted a post-production tax incentive. So you can actually shoot the film in Georgia and then go to New York and edit it, and you'll get a tax incentive. On, on the editing portion of it. Mm-hmm. So that, that's one of the things, you know, so the, the film industry and the tax incentive has been phenomenal. It brought a lot of jobs to Georgia. Now I'd love to see the back end of it, the finishing part of stay it, actually here. stay here in Georgia right. too. That'd be awesome. Certainly, yeah. certainly. Uh, Walter, can you uh, tell me what is one of your greatest learning lessons as a business owner? Get the final payment before you release the master. <laughs> that's a good lesson. Yes, that, that's the best lesson. Get paid. You know, it's like you can't walk out of Walmart unless you pay for it, right? So I, I kind of learned that lesson now. Um, <laughs> now the biggest lesson I, I think I've learned is that um, don't let anybody tell you no and you can't do it. Because whenever somebody says that, it just pisses me off. And mm-hmm. then I just figure out a way. Um, whether it's technology, you know, oh, you don't have the right technology, you don't have this, oh, you have to be. When I, when I started a company in Buford, people were like, you're, idiot. you're an idiot. you got to mm-hmm. be downtown. You have to be downtown mm-hmm. if you're going to make it in this business. And at that time, I was already working with clients remotely before this whole Internet thing really blew up and people, now it's just a regular thing. You know, oh, let's get on a Skype and talk. I was doing that back in 2001 when I started the company. So it's like it really doesn't matter where I am. So don't tell me I have to be downtown. Besides, the rates downtown at the time were crazy. So up in Buford, it was a lot cheaper. So why not start in Buford? Mm-hmm. And you know, the second thing I learned, too, is you've got to have a trusting partner mm-hmm. with you. You know, I, I actually had a partnership from 98 to 2001. I had a company in Norcross, and that went well for a while. But then, you know, it just didn't work out at the end, so we had to split. And I'm fortunate that my wife has been my partner through this whole thing. And, mm-hmm. and without her, I would have run the company in the ground a long, long time ago mm-hmm. because I see new toys come out and I just want to buy them. <laughs> and she says no. And that's what keeps the company afloat, <laughs> keeping me. Here's the right balance of, yes, you can buy this toy, but you can't buy that toy. And in fact, I have one machine in, in my machine room. And she says, every time you look at that, just remember, it's a Honda CRV because it's the same price as my Honda CRV. Okay. And I have two of them. She's like, there's two CRVs sitting right there. So just remember that. So. And now I, every time I drive up, I'm like, my gosh, I got a 6,000-square-foot building. What am I going to do with all this? And it just freaks me out when I drive up. It's like two acres, and it's all me, and Molly's just ready to get out of the truck. She's like, yeah, let's go, let's go. So, mm-hmm. No, the biggest lesson, I mean, you got to do what you love, like you said. If you don't like what you're doing, why are you doing it? I, uh, I'm amazed at how many of my classmates, I went to Syracuse University, how many of my classmates are not doing what we were trained to do. And how, how is that possible? Mm-hmm. You know, we had 400, 500 people in my class or whatever at uh, Newhouse. 
communication school and it's like how are you not doing i love this industry so much i mean i eat breathe and live it when it thank god we moved the company out of my house because when it was in my house i was probably working 150 hours a week i couldn't stop mm-hmm. i'd wake up at three in the morning with an idea go downstairs in my pajamas working and then the whole staff is coming in i'm like oh yeah i'm in my pajamas i better go change you know and actually look presentable before the client shows up <laughs> But uh, thank God, you know, we moved out because now it's actually forced me to separate myself. I mean, I'm still on the computer constantly. I blog constantly. I have, uh, I actually have four companies that mm-hmm. I'm managing. We have um, uh, MTWD Entertainment, which is actually one of my one of my favorite cool new things that we started. It actually stands for Molly the Wonder Dog, and mm-hmm. the logo is my dog. <laughs> and uh, we're, love we're Molly. <laughs> oh, we love Molly. She has her own website, MollyTheWonderDog.net. Oh, okay. And um, and and so that company is actually now creating original content. For both new and traditional media so like new media you know podcasting uh webcasts and and uh, portable devices but then we have multiple shows in fact we have one show right now that's sitting in front of eight networks up in new york and we're just uh, knocking on wood hopefully we're going to get the call anytime but um so that that's part of responding to not quite as many clients come to us now to do the post-production side of things so why don't we just create our own work let's create our own content and become our own our own client. So MTWD hires Biscardi Creative Media to do the work. Mm-hmm. And yes, so, uh, yes. and I'm really in the lifestyle programming. I'm not really into a lot of the programming that's on, on TV these days. I think there's better <laughs> stuff that could be out there. So I'm like, oh, I'll just create it. Right. You've definitely uh, learned that lesson well in terms of, no, it's just a two-letter word and you've overcome those objections. And No, uh, it's the best word that I've learned in the business because uh, a buddy of mine has a great comment. He said, there's a difference in business between being busy and being successful. And when I say no, that that means I get rid of some of the busy work, and now we can move on to the things that will make us successful. Exactly. Yeah. You've been listening to Walter Biscardi with Biscardi Creative Media. I want to invite uh, Molly the Wonder Dog on the show. <laughs> I will gladly bring her down here anytime you want to see her. Your she's dog would awesome. love Molly. Oh, she's great. Ah, wow. oh, you've our got producer just computer. popped up her picture. Wonderful. <laughs> she is actually, and I'll tell you what, if you ever want a dog, get a rescue. Do not do not go buy one at a store or something like that. Molly came from Labrador Friends of the South, and she was rescued from the Gwinnett Pound the very day that she was supposed to be put down. And we got her three weeks later, and now she's six years old. And uh, so she has her own website. She has a company named after her. And she is the most spoiled dog ever in the television and film industry. <laughs> Molly, hit, Molly hit the rescue dog jackpot. It sounds like. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So Walter, what are the what are the fu- what's the, what are the future trends for the your, your industry? What's it, what's going on there? Well, the industry is very fragmented right now. I mean, it used to be um, like, for instance, I have one one thing uh, at my office called Da Vinci Resolve, and uh, when I started, it was about a million, two million dollars to put this thing in. It was a piece of hardware about the size of the table that we're all sitting at now and, and software. And now it's free. It's absolutely free. You can download it for free. It runs on a Mac and Windows. And, and so what's happened is the tools are available to anybody who wants them. You know, anybody who wants to download the tools, tools are inexpensive. Now it's come down to the artists and, and showing that uh, there, is, there is something to be said for experience and storytelling. Just because you have a camera, just because you have a laptop, just because you have the same editing tools that I have, doesn't mean that you can do the same thing that I've done. And especially when it comes to the big projects, you know, like a four-year, five-year uh, uh, documentary, uh, running episodic. Just a little thing that I said earlier about just knowing that storytelling comes first. I mean, a lot of, a lot of the younger folks especially, they get their hands on some really good cameras, some good software, and then they come in and they tell you, oh, I've got this camera, I've got the software. That's great, but do you know how to use it? I just finished a project recently with somebody who had well over $60,000 worth of equipment and obviously didn't know how to use it because when it came back and I was trying to edit with it, it was awful. 
So, so now it's we have to do a good job of selling ourselves that our experience and our storytelling skills actually means more than the technology. Mm-hmm. Because the technology now, when you go to any facility like mine, you're going to see the same thing. It's just who are the artists driving it. And that's one of, the, one of the coolest things about our building. And in fact, my contractor said, I've never built a commercial space where the kitchen is the first thing you see. And it literally is. You walk in, you walk into our aisle, you turn left, and here is this big 25 by 25 retro 50s diner kitchen. And it is literally the first thing you see when you walk in. Why? Because it sets the tone for the whole place. It shows you who we are and what we're all about. When you go walk through my edit suites, you're going to see the same thing that you will see at every other post-production facility in town. But what I'm trying to do is set a mood and set a tone and say, this is what we're all about. We're all about just relax, let, let's get your project done, and let's have fun while we're doing it. And is that, think, is that what differentiates Biscardi Media, Creative Media so. from other companies? Well, there's two things that differentiate. One, one's our, uh, our, our experience and the fact that we're storytellers first. There's a lot of people who just cannot tell a story. You know, um, uh, Foul Water, Fiery Serpent, for example, the documentary was 250 hours of raw material that was shot just for the project. And we had over 100 hours of archive material that was brought to me. And I was given a three-page outline. And from that three-page outline, I created a two-hour movie. And that's what we're known for, that we can actually take the material and draw out a story. Uh, and then we maintain our equipment. We actually know how to use it and maintain it. And that, that's a big difference. You know, it's one thing to say, hey, I just bought the software, I just bought a camera, but then you don't actually know how to use it and use it properly. So I think that's what differentiates us, us and especially for the corporate client. They, they keep telling us over and over, we've never worked with a production company like you, that we, we don't confuse them with technology. We don't confuse them. We just want to know what's your story, what do you need us to do, and then we just take it from there and show them a final product. And when they want to make changes, like, no problem. We'll make the change. We'll do what you need. We actually get. We, we know what they're trying to do. Walter, does a, does a corporation have to have, be of certain size or financial no. wherewithal to be able to use your No, we, we do everything from small podcasts all the way up to, you know, uh, 40,000 people in the Georgia Dome doing a big show. So, uh, no, we have a very flexed plan. In fact, one of the, one of the neat things that uh, Nicole and I just came up with recently, uh, well, my, my Nicole, Nicole Wright, uh, who works for me, um, is, we call it uh, Mod Services Media on Demand. And essentially, uh, it's almost like having a retainer where we're your in-house production company. And one of the cool things that that does, especially with a lot of corporate clients, I find that the smaller the budget, the longer it takes to get the budget approved. So in this case, you did basically uh, put a retainer with us, and anytime you need a project, you just call up and say, Walt, I need a training video, and we just say, okay, it'll cost this much, we'll take it out of your account, and boom, we're off and running. So, so yeah, so, no, we work with all sizes from you know, $500. People always ask me, how much does it cost to do a 10-minute video? And I say anywhere from five, 500 to a million bucks, and I haven't been wrong yet. So that's kind of like the range that we work in 500 to a million bucks. How about that? Walter, what's the most rewarding thing you do? I mean, what, do you, what really uh, makes it happen for you? Um, well, actually, to be quite honest, is, is uh, making my employees happy. You know, it just really makes me happy when the shop, I hear laughter in the shop. Um, we have a lot of smiles in the shop. Molly's having fun. Um, there's just always been something about, I guess because I'm Italian, I'm very family-based. And um, there's always been something about sitting in the kitchen with my whole family. And you just hear this. Even if you're not participating in the conversation, you're just listening in and all the snippets going on. And I feel like we've really created a nice culture at Biscardi Creative where people say it feels more like you're in a house than you're in a commercial space. And I think we've really nailed how I like to run and and what I like to do. Um, From a uh, a professional perspective, I think one of the coolest things I've done is start that Atlanta Cutters post-production user group because it's a nonprofit group. And what it does, it forces us once a month to all get together. 
in one place, you know, 100 to 200 of us to actually talk to each other, not just be avatars and, and uh, you know, emailing back and forth. It's just nice to actually bring the community together once a month. Mm -hmm. We've been listening to Walter Biscardi, Jr. He's the founder and uh, creative genius, it says on your card. That's what my card uh, says. It's creative genius. It would not lie. Walter, tell our listeners how they can uh, reach out to you and your organization to get more information and uh, yeah, get engaged well, with um, Biscardi, uh, It's actually BiscardiCreative.com is the website. If you want to check out the facility and Molly the Wonder Dog and uh, all the things that we've done up there. Um, the phone number is 770 271 Three four two seven, uh, and you'll probably reach Kelly or Randy. And uh, feel free to give us a call. We can set up a time for a tour. I mean, you really want to come out and see the place. There's two acres. It's wooded. It's up by Lake Lanier. We've got great Italian restaurant right down the street. So, uh, And Molly will gladly chase the ball <laughs> and bring it back. She might cool. not hand it to you. She'll bring it back and tease you with it and run, run around you a few times, but eventually. We appreciate you being on the show, and we're Thank definitely going to take appreciate you up you being on the invitation. Here. Right, Thank you thanks. very much, Walter. Dom, I'm going with you to visit uh, that facility. Okay. And oh, I want yes. to see Molly. All right, yeah. we'll put it on Remember, hot apple cider today. Come on. <laughs> You've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by CDI Managed Services. Our next guest on the broadcast today is Brad Rainey with Golden Key International. Good morning, Brad. How are you? I'm fine, Nicole. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Brad, tell us about your company and what do you do? Well, what Golden Key does is Golden Key is the world's largest collegiate honor society. So mm -hmm. college and honor society, what does that mean? We're an international community of high academic achievers. Our mission is to help our members develop to their full potential. And we try to do that through three, we call them three pillars that we're, that we're founded on, academics, leadership, and service. Mm -hmm. So if you can imagine a club for smart people, you have to be <laughs> at least a sophomore in college, and you have to be in the top 15% of your class. We are interdisciplinarian, which means we don't discriminate against you because you're a, a nursing student or an accountant or an engineer. We are open to all academic disciplines. We operate in eight different countries, uh, most of the English-speaking world, United States, Canada, Australia, South Africa are our biggest presences. We have a pretty good-sized operation in Malaysia through some kind of a strange set of circumstances that we wound up in mm -hmm. Malaysia. We also have small, we have one chapter in the Bahamas, one in India, one in kind of a satellite campus uh, chapter in Vietnam. Um, I'm probably missing some place, but you get the idea. So about 400 colleges and universities around the world host a Golden Key chapter. We determine who the top 15% of those students are and provide them with an opportunity to join Golden Key. So it gives you the opportunity if you're a, a a good student, a committed student, you have the opportunity to interact with like-minded people. Not everybody has the time and the opportunity to spend the time or the money it's required to be in a social fraternity or sorority. Golden Key is a good alternative for those people. It gives you the chance to work and interact with other people. And we try to get our chapters involved. We try to encourage our chapters to involve themselves in service activities. Golden Key is unique in honor societies in that our chapters are primarily run by the student members. Almost all collegiate academic honor societies are run by faculty members. Right. You're actually identified by a faculty member and asked to join based on things perhaps other than just your academic performance. Golden Key, your invitation is extended to you solely based on your academic performance. So the founder was actually a student at Georgia State University working didn't have the opportunity to, because he was a transfer student, he 
honor societies that were available at Georgia State at the time didn't roll out the welcome mat, but realized there were a lot of people that, so if you're a, if you're a non-traditional student, by that I mean, you know, you're not the 19 to 23, you've come back to school, you're 30, you're married, or you're working your way through school. If you're that person that gets up and goes to campus, does your coursework, goes back home, works a job, you're not, you don't have the time to be on the campus and be involved in student government. You still deserve recognition. You still need to be invested in your campus, and you need those same type of leadership opportunities. Of course. So at Golden Key, you can be a chapter president. You can be a chapter treasurer, vice president. You can plan whatever type of activities that chapter is involved in. We don't direct our chapter's activities because we want that to come up from the students. Mm-hmm. We believe that if a student takes on a project and that group on that campus, we want them doing something that they're passionate about, like our buddy Walter over here. But we also believe they'll learn more if they have to put the entire plan together. If I ask you if it's uh, – we run a can drive at the University of Akron, and here's the the blueprint – you're going to probably get some good out of that if you don't have any experience at all, but you're not going to get the same level of experience as if you have to plan the entire thing. If you have to design your own roadmap, build your own business plan, execute it, we think that's a better leadership model to provide for our members. Um, I'm kind of on a roll, so I'm going to keep rolling. I'll tell you a few things I'm proud of. <laughs> Golden Key members pay a one-time $80 in the U.S. lifetime fee. For every dollar that Golden Key collects in membership dues, we spent a dollar and twenty-six cents in our last fiscal year, and we're able to do that because of arrangements we have with corporate sponsors that believe in our mission. We can help connect them with the very best people. Golden Key's a—it's a large operation that we have about eighty thousand people join Golden Key internationally, wow. around the world every year. But economically, we're pretty small. It's about a ten million dollar budget annually. But out of that ten million dollars. We take a million dollars out and provide direct scholarships specific to Golden Key members. And they're all things that we try to identify to help our members to live up to our mission, which is help them develop to their full potential. Mm -hmm. So our members have the opportunity to come to us and ask for specific research grants. They can come to us and ask for help to continue their collegiate career. Our scholarships are somewhat different from the average scholarship provider in that we write the check directly to the student. It's an honor society. We, we, we trust that they're going to use those dollars to continue their academic career. Now, how is that different? A lot of scholarship providers, the traditional model is you write the check to the university's financial aid office. Right. And a lot of time they'll turn around and then reduce the aid they're receiving other places. Well, people that are going to college have a lot of other needs besides tuition and books. There's transportation. There's housing. If you're that working parent trying to get through school – and our grants, those those scholarships are typically $10,000. $10,000 can make a big difference in your ability to complete your career over and above whatever other financial aid incentives are in place. Um, because we're international, a big goal of ours right now is, is to make international mean more than we just operate in different locations. Really looking for ways to provide our members with the opportunity to have an international experience. Mm-hmm. We hosted 13 different academic, I'll use the word academic conferences, throughout 2012, 2013, 10 in the United States regional conferences, one in Canada, one in Australia, and one in South Africa. We've started providing international travel grants to allow 
members to travel, U.S. and Canadians and South Africans go to Australia for that conference, and then Australians, North Americans can travel to South Africa for their conference. So that does several things. One, the ability to present and be on the program at a mm-hmm. conference is always of a value to academics, those people that are serious about an academic career. It's a, it's a vital component to have on their CV. It's even better if it's an international conference. So we make that possible for our members, a lot of those members. The opportunity to attend those programs and get the experience, there's an academic development, career professional development. You know, smart kids, there are, a lot of, there are a lot of skills that you don't necessarily get in the classroom that you need from interaction. We need, we need to get them out of the library sometimes. Right. How to dress for an interview how to prepare a resume. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because a kid's got a 4.0 in electrical engineering doesn't mean they know how to put a resume together or they know how to dress for that interview. Job opportunity, job and internship opportunities are important to us to provide to our members. Um, I've rattled a bunch. I'm excited about what I do, so mm-hmm. I'll take a break and let you <laughs> no, I'm enjoying see if I've brought up you, anything Brad. of interest to you. If Nicole, I think we me. may have hit the pinnacle <laughs> in radio by asking one question. <laughs> Well, he's obviously very passionate about what you do, and we enjoy talking to guests who love what they do. Absolutely. Brad, tell me, um, how long have you been with the organization? How long have you been with Golden Key? Yeah, it's a little bit of a tricky question. I've, I've been the executive director for two years, almost okay. exactly two years. The trick part of it is Golden Key was founded by a friend of mine at Golden Key at uh, Georgia State University. Okay. I met him at the University of Mississippi. Mm-hmm. I was an accounting student and a pretty good one, so he asked me to be on the board of directors of Golden Key International. So I actually graduated from University of Mississippi, Ole Miss, in 1977 in May. The first Golden Key induction ceremony was held November 29, 1977, six months or more after I graduated from school. But I've been on the board of Golden Key since we had a board of directors, so... Golden Key's coming up on its 36th anniversary. I've Mm -hmm. been involved with Golden Key 35 and a half of those 36 years. Wow. You mentioned also that uh, some of the chapters uh, that you have are globally. Do you get to travel to these locations as well? I do. If you like travel, my job is a great job. If you Mm -hmm. didn't like travel, it would not be a lot of fun. So (laughs) since January the 1st, I've been to uh, Montreal and Vancouver Sydney and Adelaide, Australia. I've mm-hmm. been to Cape Town, South Africa. I've been oh. to New Delhi, India. And I've been to just a whole bunch of places in the United States right. uh, besides those trips. So I, I'm i on the road maybe a quarter of the time. That's how you're getting all those 80,000 members a year. Well, we actually have a great staff of people that, mm-hmm. that handle that. I'm kind of a – I'm not necessarily knocking on the doors. We have 10 – traveling consultants in the United States that visit our chapters here. We have a staff of six in Sydney, Australia. Actually, one of those, my Australian staff, works out of a small, super small office in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. We have a staff person in Malaysia. We um, have a staff of three in South Africa. Okay. Now, you had uh, talked earlier about the importance of um, academics, leadership, and service. Can you expand a little bit more about how uh, one would be able to join Golden Key? Golden Key is almost exclusively by invitation only. Okay. So what happens is we have a chapter at ABC University. We obtain from the registrar of the university a list of those students that are eligible, and then we reach out directly to them and make them aware of the opportunity to join Golden Key. Okay. Now, Golden Key is, again, unique in that 
our policy is that we're open to all academic achievers. So if you are anywhere in the world, really, and, we, and you are in the top 15% of what we consider a reputable, acceptable university, then you can contact us directly, provide us with a copy of a transcript, and demonstrate that you are, in fact, in the top 15% and you've completed, you're beyond what would be a freshman year, Mm-hmm. And then we'll extend to you the opportunity to join Golden Key. Okay, great. We have about 100 people a year take advantage of that. We call that the individual member model. So we wind up with members from the Netherlands and Turkey and Syria and Sweden and France and Colombia, all over the world, wow. really. It's, it's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. You've been listening to Brad Rainey with Golden Key International. Brad, what, what events are coming up for Golden Key? Well, you know, here's the deal. We have 400 chapters, so there are, and events yeah. happen at the most of them. We're, most of our stuff, 95% of our stuff happens at those locations. So there's a lot of stuff going on around the world all the time. There are chapters going out and rocking babies in South Africa, and there's uh, people mentoring students, mentoring high school students, and there's dance marathons at UC Riverside, and the chapter at the University of Central Florida is going down to Costa Rica to help with an orphanage down there so there's we have a chapter i was on the phone yesterday walter with our my chapter advisor from syracuse university oh, cool. so we have a presence there i, I definitely would not have been in that top 15 <laughs> percent. i well, would not have been eligible for that it's never too late you can be a non you can still go back and be a non-traditional student okay sure I like I'll the top 85 percent yeah I, yeah, yeah seriously we, uh, we're going to have a little birthday celebration on November the 29th at Georgia State University and celebrate our 36th anniversary. We've got regional conferences coming up January and February in the United States and Australia. We just had the one in South Africa. One in Canada's coming up into January. We have our, what we call an international summit where everybody gets together. That'll be in Boston in um, July. And we always have a list of menu on our website of scholarships. Right now, if you want to attend our international summit, we're making $250,000 available for our members to be able to afford to come to our meeting in, in Boston in July. So if you are a Golden Key member, you're interested in attending, come get on the website and find that. I'm, I'm sure there are other scholarships that are deadlines are fast approaching. Any particular initiatives or opportunities for 2014, the new year? We are, I'm extremely interested in developing a jobs and internship program for Golden Key members. Uh, that's a new initiative. The 2014, the big thing there will be that international summit. It takes quite a bit of work for a staff our size to put on a meeting for a 1,000 people from around the world for three or four days. We're talking with Brad Rainey. He's the executive director of Golden Key International Honor Society. Brad, tell our audience how they can get more information about Golden Key International Honor Society. Boy, the best way to find that out is go to www.goldenkey.org, <laughs> O-R-G. We're a not-for-profit organization. And, of course, you can always call us. Um, follow Fontaine's Good Lead and give you my direct line. Okay. It's uh, 678-689-2234. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Dom. Appreciate you being with Enjoy us today and what you guys are doing over there. Yes, definitely. You've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud, where we talk business to business. Thank you to our guest today, Fontaine Huey with the Center for the Visually Impaired, Walter Biscardi with Biscardi Creative Media, and Brad Rainey with Golden Key International. We appreciate you all for being on the show today. 
I'm Nicole Tobtosh with CDI Managed Services, where we work with companies to maximize their investment in IT infrastructure and cloud solutions and support. As a reminder, to listen to this show and other Silver Lining in the Cloud broadcasts, go to silverlining.businessradiox.com. And until next time, remember, when it comes to IT solutions and cloud support, CDI Managed Services is your silver lining in the cloud.